welcome to Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to. My name is Son Edom, alongside the incredible Hoke, Tara Hoke Shiro. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back. And we hope you're having a, a good week since the last time, or a good period of time since the last time you were with us. And so today we're going to talk about something that we all need a little reminder about. Mm-hmm. And that is, I know we have a holiday that comes once a year mm-hmm. where we are thankful, wink, wink, hint, hint, <laughs> of the things that we have called Thanksgiving. But I think other times of the year, uh, we can be thankful and just kind of recall the things that we are grateful for and kind of realize the stuff that we actually do have compared to even other people around the world or even maybe in our community. And so uh, thankfulness, gratefulness, that is the topic of our conversation today. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we can really be grateful for nowadays if we're in the, well, I guess depending on wherever you're at, but the weather, it's going to be summer. And so we've got warmer temperatures coming. So if anything, I know people in the Midwest, warmer temperatures. Except that it snowed the other day. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's like late, late season yeah, snow yeah. that they had the other day. And meanwhile, here in Los Angeles, we have, we're you know, melting 80 degree temps, sunshine. We are like the witch in the Wizard of Oz. Melting. But that's not necessarily, I mean, we can be grateful for the weather, but that's not no. necessarily gratitude as a no, character trait. Of course trait. not. So why don't you let us know or give us a, an inkling for those that might really not understand what it is that we're going to talk about, uh, an idea of what it is we're going to talk about. And please make it tangential. <laughs> no, we don't want to tangential. Oh, we don't, we uh, don't want to go in 10 different directions. We uh, want to go yeah. in one direction, which is to say that gratitude as a character trait, and we've talked about this before, but it's um, appropriate to talk about it when there's so much chaos going on in our society. Um, that gratitude isn't just being thankful for something that's easy or nice or um, I've mentioned before that a blue sky day, right? If we go to the beach and it's nice and sunny and, and the world is, you know, perfect at the moment, we can say, oh, I'm so grateful or I'm so thankful for this. But gratitude as a character trait is the opposite. Character only has value in the opposite situation. And so when it's um, a time when it looks as if gratitude is inappropriate, that is when gratitude has the most value. So if we can find something, so I've given the example I gave in my, um, the book that I, the journal that I published that if say, for example, um, one of our family members got a speeding ticket and I can say, I'm really grateful that that person got pulled over, which seems odd to say, right? Seems backwards. Yeah. Because a, a speeding ticket costs money. The insurance is going to go up, but it's an opportunity for that person to readjust. And it's an op- opportunity for that person to now have to deal with the fact that they are speeding. Because we can deny that we're speeding down the freeway and putting people in jeopardy um, as long as we're not hurting anybody, right? But as soon as we get a ticket, now the game has changed. Um, we are hurting other people. We are putting other people in jeopardy. And so I'm grateful that that person now has an opportunity to think about what it is that they're doing. Now, will they change, you know, immediately? Who knows? It may take three tickets for them to get the joke to slow down. But we can be grateful that they're, that they're being, you know, checked on it. They're, they're being pulled over and they're not getting away with it. I remember, um, I think it was college, maybe high school. 
probably college, went on a uh, houseboat trip, and we were there for about a week. Uh, a bunch of us, you know, it was a uh, a church trip, and so um, I remember the the people that were kind of running the houseboat because they had the company would provide you with a houseboat driver mm-hmm. and a couple other people to kind of help. So they would have a speedboat that you can have an option. So you go water skiing. And so you had a speedboat driver. And so it came with the houseboat came with three people. Mm-hmm. And these were usually three people about the same age as us at the time in college. And I remember talking to one of the guys, he was the houseboat driver and he was telling me about his story. And the reason why he took his job or this particular job was he lost his other job, school was over, he had nothing going on for the summer, and he was basically living in his car. Mm. So he took a job. Didn't really want to, but he took the job. Mm -hmm. But he was telling me the story that in the meantime, when he was living in his car, he didn't really have any money, but he would always find a way, and he always said God provided a way, to give him a bag of chips Mm. or... You know, uh, water somehow. I don't know if bottled waters were all the thing back then. <laughs> I don't you know. think so. So water. <laughs> no, but he found the, the means to get through day to day. Mm-hmm. And he was living in his car. Mm-hmm. And he was thankful for that. You know, he was thankful for the fact that he was able to at least have a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and the, the initial thought is, well, that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. But it filled him up when he was hungry. You know, and then the job came along. And even though he really didn't want to do a a uh, three months or whatever it was on the, on the river, on the lake, but it was a job. So he took it because he knew he'd you know, be away from everybody. And so is that gratitude, a bag of chips? Sure. Because in that situation, he could complain that he doesn't have anything or he could be grateful for what he does have. And a lot of times that's the thing is that we ignore, we kind of focus on what we don't have instead of being grateful for what we do have and using what we do have to the fullest capacity to get to the next step. So he had the bag of chips, but then he was also working, right? So those two things can help. Those are little teeny tiny baby steps um, to propel him forward because maybe he eventually would get sick of like, okay, I'm sick of having a bag of chips a day. Let me you know, get to the next step so that I can have a little bit more. So certainly being grateful for what we have is part of it because we don't want to ignore those things that we do have. But then when it's hard, being grateful for things when it's hard ups the ante. So I think too, the other thing is that when you go through times of trouble or difficulties, we think that the hardships are greater than what they are because of the luxuries that we lose out on. Right. Okay, so we have the luxuries of going out to eat, going mm-hmm. to the movies, doing any number of things that is out and about. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we lose those luxuries, so we think that it's now a hardship. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, oh, wow, I can't believe we can't do this. But in actuality, it's really not a hardship because we still may have a home. Mm-hmm. We still may have food. We just don't eat out, but we eat in. Mm-hmm. We still have the things that we need to get through our Mm -hmm. daily thing, our daily life. We just don't have the luxuries. And I think a lot of times people confuse the idea of gratitude with, oh, I'm so thankful I have this. The luxury. Yes, the luxury Mm -hmm. items (laughs) versus the actual necessity (laughs) items. Yeah. I remember I did an interview with a a gal one time, a lady. She would do uh, mission work in northern Iraq. And she was telling me that the people over there had nothing. I mean, nothing. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for her to come home because she would see the people here that we think had nothing. Mm-hmm. 
And to her, she would make it cynical. She had to check herself Mm -hmm. because even the people here that had nothing had something. Mm -hmm. And the people over there that had nothing, had nothing. nothing. And what they're coming out of was even worse, you know, when you're talking about the ISIS situation and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's, it's perspective, you know, we're going through a time when it's difficult and we think that we might be losing out on things. And don't get me wrong. There are people actually losing out on things. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got jobs and you've got lost wages and am I going to lose my place of residence and all these things going on. But that's at that time, when you talk about character, we have to stop and check and see what do we have mm-hmm. that we can be grateful for. Mm-hmm. What are the things that we have that we absolutely need? That could be family. It could be friends. Um, it could be internet so that you can Zoom with people and right. keep in touch with people. I mean, so those are the things that are the, the moments that we need to take time and reflect on so that we just really truly recognize the things that we do have. Because even though we might not think we have things and we're missing out, are we only missing the luxury things mm-hmm. and not the real things that matter? Well, right. And I think that, you know, gratitude is a way of changing our perspective, whether we're losing out on the luxury things and we have to pull back or we've actually lost our job and we're, we're barely getting the necessities. Gratitude is a way of focusing on the positive and it's not just, you know, kumbaya, um, it's actually, you know, being grateful for what we have, um, but then using that as a focus and a perspective, because we can focus on the negative and, and the fear and say, I'm losing this, I'm losing this, I'm losing this. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And what does that do? It causes us to react in a fearful way. Like we just have to grab and we just have to take whatever we can get. But if we're grateful, for the bag of chips or we're grateful for this. Now we might be inclined to share, even though we have very little and we're going to be inclined to look out for other people. So it's a perspective. It's a way of getting us, um, you know, looking in a different direction so that we can go up and not down, I think. And it is a character trait because it does take, especially in situations where it seems like there's just nothing to be grateful for. There's always something to be grateful for. Always. Yeah. First and foremost could be your health. Yeah. You know, you can't do anything. My dad always used to say it's no fun to be sick. And if you think about it, when you're not feeling well, nothing, no matter what you have, mm-hmm. is going gonna be gonna be good. You right. can have all the luxuries in the world, and if you're not feeling well, you're not gonna be enjoying that. Um the other thing too that's kinda interesting is that it puts our perspective on more in a positive our perspective becomes positive when we start realizing the things that we do have, because oftentimes when we start focusing on the negative and the things we don't have, we can become negative and that negative, that negativity can propel us downward Mm -hmm. so that things continue to progress even worse because Mm -hmm. our attitude and our actions then go that way. Right. And I'm going to take it a step further. That is exactly correct. And I'm going to say two steps further. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to take to go two steps ahead and say, um, take a look at our relationships. And so last week we talked about anger and, and the damage that it causes, you know, in a relationship, but then looking at people and understanding why, you know, look at what's underneath the anger, you know, usually fear, shame, rejection, abandonment. And so this week, you know, when we're talking about gratitude, we can be grateful for that argument, which sounds bizarre. But when we really take gratitude seriously as a character trait, um, there, there is always, always something to be grateful for. And sometimes, um, and I've said this to myself many times, I am so grateful that we just had that argument. As painful as it was, as ugly as it was, we made forward movement. We made progress. 
we got some things out on the table that we had no idea were there. And we were able to address those things. Like if we don't, if we don't talk about certain issues in our relationship, then they can't be addressed. If someone doesn't say I'm lonely or um, this behavior's, you know, really hurting me, then we don't know that that's even an issue and we can't address it. And then that person just, you know, harbors it and and it creates bitterness and and all kinds of um, frustration. And so if we can get to the point where we look at life from a, from a higher perspective, from the 10,000 foot level and just say, look, this is all about growing. This is all about getting better. Gratitude is one of those things that will take us up the ladder. It will take us up those steps of, of success in a relationship. And, um, like last uh, weekend, my husband and I were on a hike and we got into this major argument and he was laughing. He was telling somebody about it the other day. He's like, yeah, I thought she was going to push me right off the cliff because <laughs> we were up pretty high and, you know, there's like sheer, you know, drops on both sides. But we were yelling, you know, up at, on the, I'm sure the houses around down below are probably like, are those people yelling up there? Like, what the heck? But I'm really grateful even though it was painful and we were both super angry and just, I just wanted to walk the other way and just leave them up there. Um, and probably vice versa. I'm really glad that we had that discussion because now it, it kind of burst the bubble of, you know, some discussions, you know, that we've been having that have been causing a lot of stress in our life lately. It burst that bubble. And we got to the deeper issue. And I was, I was able to say, you know, when you do this, you're setting me up for failure. You're being very passive aggressive. You're saying you want this, but then when I when I say those things, then you want something different, and then it, you know either way it kind of makes you mad. And so hearing that, he was like, "Okay, so now, like, we just don't. There's like certain topics that we're like, okay, we just can't talk about that for a while." And wow, when we took those off the table and say we are not going to talk about A, B, and C, um, peace. We have so much peace. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I actually like this person again. <laughs> so you no longer want to throw them off the mountain? No, I'm not, not anymore. Uh, not until maybe next week. But Well, I think doing the podcast from the Women's Correctional <laughs> Institute uh, could be pretty good. could be pretty yes, fun. Yeah, so, I'll phone uh, it in. Yes, yep. you know, now I'm thinking you know, on location. Yeah, oh, take there it you there. Go. You know, we have a live studio <laughs> audience and everything. Uh, but that's the thing. But it, it's also interesting because to get to that point, of making an argument is kind of interesting and, and, uh, and should you have the conversation before it gets to the point of argument? Well, sometimes like we're just in these cycles with people, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I, I, we just get in these cycles that it's just the same pattern, the same behavior pattern over and over and over and over and over. And when you talk about certain things, you, both of us, we just get into that cycle, that spin cycle. And it's like, man, every time we, we just can't like, talk about this without getting into a major argument. And so part of getting out of that for us is just like, okay, we're putting a moratorium on this. We're just not going to talk about this topic anymore, or at least for, you know, a while, because it's causing us, um, for me, he was putting me like in a dead end street. Like there's just nowhere. He was setting me up for failure. He was asking for my opinion on something. But then when I gave my opinion, he was getting mad at me because I wasn't agreeing with him I was going you know going against him and so I'm like okay but you're setting me up for failure you're in the cul-de-sac going round and round yeah and round and so round. it's like stop asking me for my opinion do not ask me for my opinion on that subject anymore like I there's because I'm I'm at a no win I cannot win in that situation no matter what I do if I give it or I don't give it you're mad at me either way so stop asking me we just we're not going to talk about this topic and so he's like yeah you're right 
Um, but then when you set a boundary like that, it takes time because he said to me yesterday, okay, I'm just going to vent. I'm not asking for your opinion, but I'm just going to vent. So he started venting about this particular topic. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Then he got mad at me because I wasn't giving any advice. And I'm like, you just said you wanted to vent. And the other day on the Hill, you said, when I give you advice, it makes you mad. So like, you're doing it again. All right, all right, all right. Like, so we have the, it takes time to set a boundary, but, but to get back to, I'm grateful. I'm really grateful that we got into that argument on the mountain, that we were both really, you know, mad and frustrated because it burst the bubble and it set the stage to set a boundary and to be like, we can't do this anymore because it's not healthy. So we're going to take a different path and taking a different path is going to take some practice but we're finally doing it. So now we can get out of that cycle. So being grateful for things doesn't necessarily mean things that come easy, a gift that comes along. You know, we can be grateful for a bag of chips, you know, when we're down and out. But that upper level character gratitude comes in situations that are really difficult. And it's like, okay, where are the lessons? What can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? What does this mean? What does this mean about, am I being a jerk? Am I being selfish? Am I being arrogant? And I'm really grateful for those illuminations, for those wisdoms, because then it's like, oh, I am being a jerk. I am being selfish. Okay. I'm grateful for that. Well, you find out a little bit more about who you are, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and what's going on. Because when you take a look at the lessons in life as you get older, that's why we're two steps ahead. <laughs> but you take a look at it and you start to realize, I always say hindsight's twenty twenty. But you do look at some of those lessons and you realize that, okay, I see what happened here. I can see how this developed. Mm-hmm. I can see where this became a source of angst. Mm-hmm. And then we hashed it out or something else happened. And then things got better because it's oftentimes in those struggles and those hardships that you do find clarity, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because you're able to work things out. You have to focus on those issues. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in uh, job loss, you know, I've been referred to it a few times where my previous job is no longer there. So I'm looking for the next new thing. And it's difficult this time to find that next new thing because there's just not much out there right now. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like you start to think I was for 30 seconds when I was told this was going to happen. I thought for 30 seconds, like this sucks. Mm -hmm. And then 30 seconds later, clicked in all the potential opportunities now Mm -hmm. that I think I could do that if I can pull them off would be better. Right. Okay. So right. I don't say job loss, you're grateful for job loss, but it did provide opportunity for me to do something that I've kind of wanted to do without fully realizing this is what I want to do. Right. And to clarify what you just said, we're not grateful for the event. Like you're not grateful no. for the job loss, but we can be grateful in, we can have gratitude yeah. in the event. And I think, and that's the key. It's like, I'm not grateful that we were arguing, but I'm grateful in the argument because it provided a lot of insight and some healing. And so being grateful in, in the process of the job loss, you're realizing that there are other potentials that may even be better than what you were doing before. And so that's the sign of wisdom and character is when we can say, okay, wait a second, let me, let me look and see what this, and sometimes it may take a minute or a month to figure out, like sometimes we just have to be mad for a while. I was told one time, I was talking to a guy, pastor guy, in fact, and, and we're talking sports because sports is a big thing. I was in the Midwest. I was uh, working a um, radio job, and I was the sports director, 
And so I would get a lot of conversations about sports around town because when people would see you in a small town, they know you. And so sports would be the thing they'd want to talk about. And so we were talking about something. And, and I think it was like a local team was making a run for the state playoffs and mm-hmm. ended up losing in the championship game. And everybody was kind of bummed out, obviously. And then some people were like, oh, just suck it up. It's just a game, you know, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not worth the it's not worth getting sad over, you know, don't cry over spilt milk, stuff like that. But this guy was telling us, you know, hey, it's OK to take a moment to grieve that. Mm-hmm. OK, it may be because it's not insignificant to you. It might be insignificant to other people, but it's not insignificant to you to suffer the loss of a game. OK, right. so we have to take a moment. But then he went on to say, but then. Don't wallow in that, but be grateful that out of all the however many teams in the state, mm-hmm. you were the top two and mm-hmm. you, you were the final two. Mm-hmm. And so you can be grateful in the fact that in loss, you were still able to make it to the championship game. You were still able to play at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. You were still able to do and experience what it's like to be in a championship game. Mm-hmm. But it was okay to take a moment and to kind of grieve the prospect or the the outcome, the mm-hmm. results of, of mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. But then look at the prospects of this is what you went through. And then they did it again next year. The same team went back to state, lost again. Uh, <laughs> didn't learn much. Sounds no. like the Dodgers. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, but again, the experience was, hey, we got to do this a second time. Again, grieve the process of the loss because we thought it would be a better opportunity and a better chance at winning. Um, the game was closer. But again, grateful for the fact, and I don't think since then, and it's been a number of years now, it's the only time. And then the third year, we lost in the semifinals. Mm. Okay. Mm. So three years in a row. Mm-hmm. They had a good run. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the I don't think they've had that type of run since. And so for me, as a broadcaster, even though I never got to have the experience of calling a championship team, you know, for football in a, in a championship environment, I was grateful for that experience because I was able to follow this team to two state championship games. And, in fact, one year we were able to be the the across the state, the radio broadcast that the uh, – state broadcasting society, whatever, picked mm-hmm, up on. Mm-hmm. So it provides some opportunities. But anyways, but it provided some really cool and unique opportunities for us. And so we're grateful in that. Would we like to have won? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's the type of thing. But again, the point of this whole thing is that it's okay to grieve those moments because it's real and it's a part of you and it's a loss that you've experienced, whether it's job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's something else. Mm-hmm. It's okay to grieve in that because it's real to you. Well, I think... Uh, what you're doing is validating <laughs> what we were talking about last week with anger. But when you say it's okay to, to grieve, that's absolutely necessary. You know, like we have to validate what we are feeling in any situation. And when we're able to validate what we're feeling, like, yeah, that was a loss that sucks. I'm just going to grieve that for a little bit. When we validate that and feel validated for that, then we're much quicker. We come to the gratitude much quicker. Because if people are, are shaming us and saying, oh, don't cry over spilt milk and, and you know, why are you, you know, you got all the way here. So what are you, you know, angry about? When we start shaming each other that way, then um, our feelings are not validated. It makes us angry. And then we kind of sit in that and until our, val- until our feelings are validated. So we get stuck in that and, and, a lot, and then it, it hinders us from being grateful. So I think it's really important for ourselves to not dismiss what it is that we're feeling, to go ahead and feel it, but then maybe not necessarily park there. But when we can metabolize trauma quicker, when we can metabolize loss, when we can go through that grief process quicker, we are able to see like, okay, now what can I find to be grateful for in this? 
maybe I'm grateful that we're getting a chance to regroup. I'm getting a chance to, um, to practice my skills more to up my game. Like there's so many things, but, but we have to have that initial validation. I think in any situation to validate our own feelings, not shame ourselves for feeling the way that we are and then validate each other. And once we, we feel safe, like, yeah, okay, that did suck. That's awful. Now we can move on to more um, positive emotions, healthy emotions that can move us forward. And that is what will move us forward. When, we, when, when we're not validated, we get stuck and, and then it just goes down the drain. Don't wallow in the mire. Get out <laughs> of the mire. Don't shoot on yourself. Yes, and, don't shoot on yourself. And get out of the mire. You know, the other thing that, because in the radio business, there's a lot of, of that. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. You can lose your job, which has happened many times, and so maybe I'm immune to it now. <laughs> um, and fortunately, though, a lot of it has been, um, you know, downsizing, you know, mm-hmm. economy-related. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I've really lost my job because I wasn't good at it. Um, a lot of it has been, you know, loss of the position. Mm-hmm. So anyways, but I always think back at the, even the hard times, uh, and the down times of those jobs and think, wow, there was a lot of great stuff that came out of it. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of great opportunities, great shows. You know, mm-hmm. I remember one time, you know, there was with the sports station, we did a, um, there was a restaurant at the time called French 75. It's no longer around. That's where I can mention it. And it was in July that we wanted, I came up with this idea that was about the same time as the Tour de France. And so I, and so I went to the, uh, the general manager of the local branch of the, or the local restaurant, said, hey, let's do a Tour de French 75 and we'll do our sports show from these different restaurants. Fine. And so it was, it was fun. It was a lot, of, a lot of work, a lot of stuff, got a lot of blowback from it, but it was a lot of fun. And so even though the job ended and not there anymore and you're kind of like, oh, that was a bummer and the whole thing kind of broke up, um, but you think back at some of those things that you've done. And even when in, in Iowa, you know, Iowa, it was exciting. It was my first radio job. I had to travel halfway across the country. It didn't end well. That's why you leave most of the time. <laughs> but again, I was grateful for, A, the people that I met, you know, um, the people I came across, the experience, mm-hmm. being able to work at that radio station and things like that. And so even though it ended bad, the things that went on there and the experience of being someplace else and, and enjoying that really, I think, helped me in my process of my professional career of going through radio to stop and smell the roses. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, one of my things has always been I want to get to the top or get to wherever I'm going quick. And when I was in college, somebody advised me, hey, enjoy the ride mm-hmm. because it goes quick. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. I want to get there. <laughs> get me on the fast pass, yeah. the fast track to yeah. wherever that is. And then you find out wherever that is doesn't exist because right. it keeps moving. It keeps moving. You talk about moving the goalposts. Keeps moving, yeah. keeps moving, it keeps moving. <laughs> so you got to enjoy the ride. You know, like I said, life's a journey, not a destination, and you got to enjoy that ride. But along the way, no matter what happens, because there's going to be up, there's going to be down, there's going to be plateaus, there's going to be times. I remember a couple of years ago, I was I was uh, working with uh, Frank Sontag on his show, and I was thinking, wow, life is pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was on the plateau like the train across the plains. There's no right. hills. You're just going. Um, and then the, the valleys hit and then the highs and then the lows, but you can be thankful for all those things that come along because if anything, we enjoy, we took the ride. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, maybe we learned something from it. Mm-hmm. And then if we got through it, we can always go back and tell the story. Right. Like, Hey, this is what happened. And then we don't remember the bad as being too much bad. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, because we tend to look at the, the positives right. of everything. And, and that's the point where you then start to think about, you know what? I'm glad that happened. I'm glad I went through that. That was an experience that I learned from. 
And I can be thankful that even though it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, and relationships are probably the biggest thing, you know, oh, the relationship did not turn out the way I wanted it to, unless you're married and you're stuck with it. Um, <laughs> then, you know, maybe something else better came along. Someone else who understood you better came along. Someone else who was more uh, compatible to you came along, mm -hmm. you know, something else came along, but you probably learned and we're probably thankful that you were with that person for the, the time that you were, because in that moment it meant something. Mm -hmm. And I think the most successful people in society are the ones that can learn that, learn how to learn the art of moving through life in a way that you learn from the tragedies, you learn from the failures, you grieve the things that are um, devastating, but then you move forward and you use that as fuel to, to keep going. And the people that constantly are, you know, getting to the next thing and they're, and life is going, you know, well for them, it's not that they don't have anything traumatic or devastating happen to them, it's that they've learned how to use it and learned how to learn from it and grow from it and get wisdom from it. The people who play the victim and wallow in everything that's happened and, you know, poor me and everything is out there. If this person would just do this and that person would just do that, my life would be so much better. We have control over our lives. We have so many choices. And um, when we give ourselves, when we step into the that power that we have and we're grateful for the hardships, we're grateful that we have to climb that mountain. We're grateful that we have to overcome this challenge. That's when we really step into our strength as a human being. And that's when we really um, succeed. And it doesn't matter what the economy is doing. It doesn't matter what the climate's doing. It doesn't matter. We can still move forward. How many people, gosh, have you seen in this, you know, current climate who are being creative anyway and who are um, finding outlets for, um, for, you know, any type of, you know, creativity anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like you just keep moving and doing what you can do. You might not be able to do what you were doing, but, um, we're still gonna, we're still gonna move forward. And I saw an article on the news last night about, um, things shifting in our economy that, you know, more people are going to start working from home less people are going to be at the office. Like this might be a regular thing. And then some of the restaurants were saying, oh gosh, you know, we depend on that lunch rush. We depend on that, that, um, corporate, um, meeting, you know, bringing food for the corporate meeting and, and whatever. And so now what are we going to do? And I thought, you know, we're going to be fine because what we're going to do is we're going to rearrange and we're going to adjust. The smart ones will say, okay, more people are working at home. All right. So let's be more in a residential area or let's figure out how to cater to them when they're working out of their houses. Anyway, the smart people like adapt and move forward and, um, just keep finding new ways to innovate and new ways to create, to keep moving. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, adapting and you talked about maybe moving into residential areas. It reminded me I was in new Orleans in the summer 2019 so as of this show last summer and I was uh, at a jazz club and it was closing down and I happened to begin a conversation with a couple of the people that were from the area and just talking about how life was there in New Orleans and and because you always hear from an outsider what the city's like mm -hmm. and so I wanted to hear what it was like from the insider you know you have the French Quarter but then what's life outside the French Quarter right. so like well why don't you come along we'll we'll show you I'm like what do you mean so there was a place where everybody went to eat afterwards, like all the local bars and clubs and musicians that uh, 
would get together, and if you weren't somebody big, they'd go to a place and eat, and then they'd go to this after bar that was open to like 4 or 5 a.m. But the unique thing about it was it was in the residential area, mm. and that's where a lot of them lived. So it was like mm-hmm. their own little community. So they'd mm-hmm. go to the French Quarter work, then they'd come back here. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was interesting because it was all right there, and the way the setup was, and I don't know if it was planned this way from way back when, but that was the uniqueness of it. It was like here was a place that catered because by the time – you know, the busboys and, and the hostesses and the waiters and waitresses at the clubs would get done with work. Everything was closed down. Right. So now they have to eat. So where do they go to eat? Mm-hmm. Well, this place specifically stayed open mm-hmm. for those people. And you go in there and it was all the people that had just gone off work. <laughs> then it's like, okay, now what do you go for the after dinner drink? Well, this place was open <laughs> to cater that. And you walk in there and the only people in there at the time were these people. So again, we might be used to a certain normal mm-hmm. and that's okay to want to go back to that. But if you're creative enough, there could be a new normal that's not this new normal that we hear about, but it could be a new unique and creative way mm-hmm. to come up with something if we just use our ingenuity because it was kind of a cool experience. I was out to like 5 a.m., but that was their life because then they sleep until, you know, right. three or four and then they go in. Start all over Yeah, start again. all over. Yeah. So it's, it's a different lifestyle. <laughs> But it was kind of unique. So there are ways that we can think about if something happens to us and it's overcoming obstacles. We always talk about that overcoming the obstacles. How are Mm -hmm. we going to do that? Mm -hmm. We have to overcome, you know, whether it's anything. We've talked about overcoming shame in the past, overcoming obstacles, overcoming anything that comes our way. We have to learn to overcome it or it's going to defeat us. Mm -hmm. And this might just be one of those ways to overcome whatever it is that is in our way is become creative, become unique. Think outside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, I always talk about the box and everybody wants us to live inside this box, but yet there's this whole world outside the box we can live in. Mm-hmm. Be creative. Think outside the box. And you never know what's going to happen. You know, I mean, I just think if we can turn the camera around here, people would kind of be probably amazed at what we're <laughs> able to pull off. But because you were talking earlier about being creative and wanting to continue this, we came up with creative ways to continue mm-hmm. and to do what we want to do and to take our passion, make it happen. And so... um, And so those are even things that we can be grateful for is the ability to have the creativity, the ingenuity to come up with new things Mm -hmm. and to be able to, you know what, I'm not going to let this get me down. Mm -hmm. Here's something. There was a gym that uh, wanted to reopen and they showed the before and after picture. And the gym obviously had been closed for a number of months because of the, the conditions of the, of the, of the world at the time. But when you saw the before and after pictures, they took a lot of effort to make it so that it would be safe in a healthy environment for people when they reopened. Mm-hmm. And that was for them, their way to understand what the obstacle was mm-hmm. and overcome it. And then to open in a manner that would be safe. Mm-hmm. And so that's all it takes. Sometimes, sometimes we get panicked and we get fearful of what we knew and we're comfortable with. That's no longer there. I have to adapt but I can't. So now it's panic, it's fear, it's commotion. What am I going to do? When all we have to do is take a moment, pause and think, okay, this is how now I can adapt to what I have to in this day and age. Yeah. There's a book, a little teeny tiny book called Who Moved My Cheese? Have you heard of that book? Mm. It's a, excuse me, it's a business book and it's very small, very um, thin. You can read it in an hour. Um, highly recommend it because it's exactly what we're talking about. And the basic premise of the book is that I think it's, it's been years and years and years since I've read it, but um, the basic premise is that if you picture a a mouse trap or not mouse trap, but like a mouse run, like a maze. maze. Yeah. Like a maze. And the cheese is always in this one corner of the maze. Right. So the rat 
um, goes to that piece of cheese and life is good and everything is fine and they're fat and full. And one day um, the cheese is gone and it's in a different place. And so they keep going back to that same corner in the maze and they're getting more and more stressed, more anxious, more fearful. They're panicking because their food is, is gone. Where did it go? And so this one um, mouse or rat decides, well, I'm just going to go look for something different. There's got to be something else out there or maybe, you know, and so that he goes and, and finds it and finds it. He finds the cheese and it's in a different place. And he goes back and he says, Hey, you guys, it's in a different place. And they're so, um, they can't, they can't metabolize the fact they can't understand the fact that the cheese has been moved. And so they, they keep going back, um, out of fear and out of panic, like they're afraid to do anything else. And so they just keep going on day after day, they go back to that same corner and the cheese isn't there. So we have to be brave enough to go find, you know, who moved the cheese and we have to be brave enough to go find it. And then there's a whole, not only was the, the cheese in a different corner of the maze, but it was in a corner that was beautiful and bigger and better. And there was other resources and there's other, um, a community of mice or rats and, and it was, you know, this amazing thing. So, um, you know, it's exactly what you're saying. We get so focused on what we've lost and so focused on that. I don't want things to be different that when we, when we only concentrate on that, that becomes our perspective, this gloom and doom. And then it feels like other people are in control. You know, it could, the mouse could have easily said, well, someone's controlling me and I think it's a conspiracy and like, you know, they're taking advantage of me or he could just go down a couple more corners and there it is. But until we are, have this, you know, this idea of gratitude, the gratitude in that scenario would be my, the four, my four limbs are still working. I can still move and I can still, I'm not starving yet. I'm not dead yet. So I can still move. I can go out and look for the cheese. I can go look for the food. That's what to be grateful for. So, and, and the one of them did it and they went and found the cheese. So when we have that perspective of gratitude, it's the key to unlocking the next step. It's the key to, um, realizing that there's more there. There's more than the, what the eye sees. But if we keep going back to that same corner over and over and over and complaining and being the victim, then there's just no, there's no hope in that scenario. I think it also, it can deal with complacency. Mm-hmm. You know, we get complacent in life. I think the saying goes, you have to lose yourself to find yourself. Yes. Something like that. And so I can't tell you just in driving, you know, I used to just, especially when I was a younger driver, there was no GPS. You had to figure things out on your own. Okay. <laughs> and I was always lost. <laughs> well, that's the thing. But then you found yourself and then you found you different ways to get from here to there. People are always amazed that I can get around town LA in the, in the manner that I can, because I've just gone and driven it. Mm-hmm. Now, granted gas was 80 cents a gallon, so you can right. do that, but you, you, but then you, you find out just all the different things that are out there that mm-hmm. you might not normally do taking your same pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a new park here. There's a new, you know, whatever. And so, but when you, when you take these different paths and you have to take a different route in life mm-hmm. than what we're used to, we end complacency. And I can't tell you how many times something has gotten better mm-hmm. because I decided to do something different, make a change. I was forced to make a change. Right. And so therefore, instead of just being, woe is me, I'm going to take this as a challenge and an opportunity. And I'm going to see what is better out there. And things actually have gotten better because mm-hmm. of it. I remember here's a, here's an example, just so you know. Um, so when I was in, in, uh, in radio in Iowa, 
uh, the place I was at didn't have internet. And so we had to rely on, uh, on a wire service, which may or may not work. And so when the internet came, it was easy for us to then, you know, get stories. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it made it a lot easier for us to be more relevant. And so a lot of people, um, thought it was a good change. So then that was the beginning of the technology aspect in smaller town radio. So then I moved to Nebraska and do radio in Nebraska and they had the internet and all that. And so I'd write my stories. Okay. I'd handwrite my stories and then they got us computers. And so we were able to type and that's how I actually learned to type because I'd type my stories mm. instead of having to write them. I would type wow. them now and I type, 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 type because it was easier to delete and retype than to cross out. And, right. but here was the thing. So we had these eight track tape type things <laughs> called carts and we would have to put our audio on these carts and I would have a stack of these eight track tape things that I would carry from studio to studio and I would have audio on there, mm -hmm. audio bites. So mm -hmm. if it was a ball game, here's what this player had to say after the game, I'd press the button. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well then when computers came, we were, we were able to take our audio and instead of putting them on these eight track cassette tape things called cards, we could just upload it to the computer mm. and we didn't have to carry these things around with us. Right. Okay. Now it took us a little bit of time to figure out the computer system right. because it was in its infancy, this mm -hmm. radio automation. And so it took a lot longer than it would have if I just put the audio on the cards and did my business. Mm -hmm. But once I learned it mm -hmm. and once I mastered it, then it was so much easier right. and the carts went away obviously, but it was so much easier because I didn't have to A, put everything on a cart, carry the carts with me. Mm -hmm. If I had to update something, I could easily update it mm -hmm. by just typing in and bringing up the cart in the computer and adding the audio. And that was it. So the computers, which is a whole nother story because it did take <laughs> some jobs away, but anyways, um, it did make things easier, but it took a while mm -hmm. to learn it and to figure out the bugs and to see how it worked and to bring it up in this studio. How do I bring it up in that studio? So it took effort but it made life easier in the long run. And so sometimes using that analogy, we like to have things a certain way. We like to do things a certain way. We like things to be comfortable a certain way and we're happy with that and we're content right. and we're right. complacent. But when we're forced outside our comfort zone, A, that's when we find out who we really are. Mm -hmm. And then B, we might find something better. And then for me, like I love the carts and I was a cart guy and I absolutely loved them. And change was good, but I was grateful for the fact that I spent the time to learn how to and everything that came along with it because it just made you relevant and kept you in the radio business and made you still marketable and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. But you had to take the steps along the way. And some people just had a hard time transitioning to the computers that when they did away with the carts, like they took the machines out and mm -hmm. you can no longer use them. Mm -hmm. They were lost. What right. were they going to do? Right. They didn't. And then now they had to either get a new job or we had to train them how to do it, mm -hmm. you know? And so adapting is something that we all need to do, but we can be grateful for what we experienced because it gets us to the next place, but we can also find new exhilarating things out of the change that comes with it. Yeah. Being out of our comfort zone is so crucial that we need to do that. We need to be out of our comfort zone because that's the whole art of adapting. It's the whole art of grieving, you know, grieving what was lost and then saying, okay, this is a new day and a new age. So I need to uh, be creative and innovative, you know, and move forward. And when we don't grieve properly and forgive and um, metabolize that in a, you know, fairly quickly, and we're not looking for the gratitude then, you know, we just quickly become stuck and, and life is against us, right? And it's really not, life is not against us. There's always something that we can do, but 
that's where a lot of people get stuck. And then this anger starts, you know, festering. And really it's because we have not taken advantage. We just are very stubborn and not wanting to change. And we don't um, feel comfortable being uncomfortable. There are some people that thrive on, oh, I love to put myself in uncomfortable situations, right? I was running down the hill um, last night. We went on our um, run. So it's a mile and a half up. There's no flat spots. It's just up for a mile and a half. And then, of course, you know, down for a mile and a half. And so um, the up was a challenge and we made it up. And then on the way down, um, it believe it or not, it's still difficult to run downhill because you have to put the brakes on at the same time. And it's a whole, it's a different, you know, muscle group and there's still cardio involved. And about halfway down the hill, I was thinking, man, I just want to stop. And I had to talk myself out of it and be like, no, you're not physically like, I wasn't out of breath. I was uncomfortable. My body was definitely uncomfortable at this point because now, you know, we were coming back down. So that would have been what, two miles in, two and a half miles in the run. And so I was uncomfortable, but I kept telling myself, no, you need to practice being uncomfortable. So do not stop. Keep moving. And I had to keep telling myself all, and I was going downhill, but I'd already gone up a mile and a half. So I was tired. My legs were screaming and we were running faster coming down, you know, because we were, it was quote unquote easier, but it's just different. And I had to keep telling myself it's, you're fine. You are totally fine. Practice being uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. And I just had to keep saying it over and over and over. And if we put ourselves in those positions of being uncomfortable um, physically, then mentally it's a lot easier when someone is being unruly or, um, someone is, is acting, you know, inappropriately, then we can, we are stronger so that we don't take it personal. We can look for the lessons to learn. We can look at tragedy or, or our circumstances from a higher, you know, 10,000 foot level and we don't get sucked into it. And we're like, okay, this is just another hill to climb. Let's just do it. And we have this better perspective about life, but we have to force ourselves. for me into uncomfortable physical situations to get the mental game in check. It's practice. See, there was a time where I lived outside the comfort zone so much that I became the comfort zone. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. and then it's like, what do you do? And then I went back to my comfort zone. I'm like, well, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, well, so you're always mixing things up. And, and it wasn't really by design. It just was that way, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you just have to do that. I remember one time, okay, for an example, uh, I remember that when I was growing up through high school and stuff, you know, bedtime 10, maybe 1030 because I had to get up and I'm one that always liked to get eight hours of sleep or at least be in bed for eight hours. Mm -hmm. And so if I was getting up at 630, you know, 10, 1030, be in bed. Well, I remember then when I first got my job in Iowa, my first radio job, it was six to midnight mm. central time on top of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then when I got off at midnight, the whole town shut down, like nothing. I think maybe, yeah, nothing, because even Subway at the time closed at midnight. <laughs> and so there was nothing to do. And I was wide awake because it was now 10 o'clock West Coast time, right. and I'm Central time, and it's midnight, and I, I couldn't sleep. So I'd be up. And my whole day just got whacked. And so I would be waking up at noon, you know, Central time, one Central time, because I didn't start till 6. I didn't really have to be there till 6. Mm -hmm. But then I'd go in at 4, because that way I could see people at the station, and I would adapt Mm -hmm. but my day became so whacked because I was like sleeping during the day mm -hmm. and I was awake at night and it's four in the morning in small cow town, Iowa, and there's nothing to do. And there's barely any television. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and there's nothing to do. What do you do? You know? And if you go and you drive around town, there's nothing open, you know? <laughs> so the only thing you do is you probably get pulled over by the one cop, eating a donut. Right. Uh, what are you doing? Well, I got off work and I'm 
from the West Coast and it's only 10 o'clock and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But again, so, so through radio, the uncomfortable, uh, the, the outside the comfort zone of being in bed at a certain time and this and that. Well, now it's just whatever. It's a complete free for all. Um, and so, but you do that when you, when you push yourself and you, and you're able to do that, you're able to one, grow yourself mm-hmm. and find out exactly who you are mm-hmm. and understand that in this situation, how do you react in this situation? How do you react? You know, and you start to really develop your character is what it becomes. And then on top of it, you start to appreciate some of the things I look back at some of those times in small town, you know, radio, and it was a lot of fun. You know, there was times where I got to do things there that I couldn't do in corporate radio. And it was a lot more fun doing some of the small town things Mm -hmm. than it is doing some of the corporate radio. Um, And then there's some trade-offs, you know, Right. but that's the thing. And so you start to appreciate, even though I was in small town, even though it was small radio, even though it was miles and miles from home and there's a complete adjustment period to my comfort zone and everything, there was still a lot of fun in being able to do some of the things that I was able to do and then stay focused on my goal of Mm -hmm. wanting to get to where I want to get in my career. And I look back at those times and I'm like, wow, that was a lot of fun. The people I met were pretty cool. The experiences were good. And it was, it wasn't how I envisioned me starting my radio career, Mm -hmm. but it was the start that eventually, eventually got me, you know, to where I ended up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think it's a practice. It's definitely an art to look for those lessons and to look for things to be grateful for. I'll say it again, that a character trait only has value in the opposite situation. Any character trait that you that you pull out of your hat, anything that you think of, it only has value in the opposite situation. That's why it's a character trait. So if we can learn in, in a storm or in the middle of chaos or in the middle of a, a trauma or tragedy or whatever, if we can learn to be grateful in those opposite situations, that's when it really becomes maturity and wisdom and character. It's easy to be grateful for, you know, a blue sky day with a margarita in your hand, like you're laying on the beach and you know, what's so easy, like, Oh yeah, I'm so grateful. But there's no, there's no stress in that. It's no, there's, there's nothing, there's no struggle. There's no discomfort in that. Right. But if you can take an opposite situation and really look for things to be grateful for the hard stuff, the weight that you have to lift, um, that's when life gets better and that's when we are wise and mature people and we just move up the ladder in life and our relationships are better, our work is better, our paychecks are better. Like it just, things are better when we are constantly focused on what can I learn? Where can I be grateful? You know, what are the things to be grateful for? Let me focus on those. Let me use those as fuel as energy and let me move forward anyway, despite what is going on out here. And the other thing too, is that it takes preparation because I think you have to prepare yourself for some of those things. It like takes a conscious effort. I don't think you just can step into a situation and turn it on. If that makes no, sense. It's so, practice. Yeah, it's practice. Def- so even if it's a run mm-hmm. and like, I'm really uncomfortable right now. Well, am I dying? No. Am I getting ready to pass out? No. Am I whining? Yes. Then suck it up and keep moving. Practice being uncomfortable, like on a, on a daily basis. And then when it, when it, when the stakes are high, then you can say, okay, what are the lessons here? What can I learn? Um, what are the benefits that have come out of this? Yeah, it's a practice. It's a daily practice. Because I think sometimes we're not prepared for those things, and no. that's when it gets to us. Mm-hmm. And then the other things, the negative stuff, mm-hmm. starts to creep in, and that's how we handle it then on the negative aspect versus being prepared. You know, I've said this time and time again. Um, 
especially with students and people in radio that uh, I've kind of mentored, if that job, that dream job came along, would you be prepared to audition for it? Mm -hmm. So if your dream job came along, would you be prepared to audition for it? When opportunity knocks, it's too late to prepare. Yes. And so that's what we have to do. We have to prepare ourselves for anything. It could be prepare ourselves for times of trials, Mm -hmm. prepare ourselves for being out of our comfort zone, prepare ourselves for being grateful Mm -hmm. when things aren't going so well, Mm -hmm. because it's always easy to be grateful and thankful and to have all these good things and these good feelings and thoughts when Things Life are going is well. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's when the troubles, you know, come in, and that's yeah. when it really challenges our character, challenges who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we look into the abyss and nothing is staring back, we realize who we are, mm-hmm. as the quote from the movie goes. And so, again, it just does take some time, you know, to prepare for some of these things. You know, because like we learn in life in the radio business with the ratings, the ratings drives revenue. Mm-hmm. The ratings go up, go down, go up, go down. It's a roller coaster. You know, life's a roller coaster. And we got to be able to handle the highs. Got to be prepared to handle the lows because mm-hmm. the highs are easier to handle than the lows. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to maintain. But in those areas of the flatland where we're maintaining a good life, you know, be prepared and get ready for the obstacles and things that are going to come because they will come mm-hmm. expected or unexpected. And especially the unexpected, that's when we find out who we are then. And that preparation, it might seem like, well, how do you prepare for that? And what is the, you know, the preparation for that storm that is coming? If you're not in a storm now in your life, there's one coming because that's just how life is. So the way to prepare is to have a friend group around you that's really wise people that can speak into your life and be wise counselors um, when things are um, going well so that when things are not going well, they're already in place. Um, being in a support group, um, getting therapy if you need to. I read my Bible every single morning. I'm reading the whole thing in a year. Um, I'm on a plan for that. So there's a lot of things that we can do. You know, we can practice our skill sets anyway, despite, you know, whether or not we have a job. Um, There are lots and lots of things that we can do to practice and put things in place. We're talking about a structure of life, a philosophy in life, a theology when we put those things in place and then we, we live them out every day um, and it's easier to do it when things are going well, but then when things are not going so well, that structure is already put in place. So we just have to pick up the phone and and we already have a relationship with that friend or we already um, have been practicing, you know, the skill set while things were, were down. And so now when things are, you know, back again, we're, we're ready to go, right? We've kept our muscles warm and we're ready to go. So there's a lot of preparation that we can do um, in those times, but it's not an individual isolated thing. It involves other people um, and lots of practices. And the other thing you can do to prepare is to listen to Two Steps Ahead <laughs> podcast, <laughs> highlighting the stuff that we've stepped true. in so you don't that have to. We have, may have been there. That's right. You can learn from us. Um, weekly. Weekly. And so actually you can find us on Instagram at Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Uh, You can watch shows on IGTV. Uh, You can also find us on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on SoundCloud. And all three of those are linked in the bio. So if you go to Instagram at Two Steps Ahead Podcast, go to the bio, you can find us there. Um, You can go to my Instagram at Edem Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, and all 
The information is linked in the bio there. We're also on a Google. So if you search on a Google search, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, we pop up. And then if you're an Apple user, Apple Podcast, iHeartMedia, we're there too. Pretty much everywhere. Stitcher, all the places. Tune in radio. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much find us. Uh, everywhere. And then for you, your Instagram is? My Instagram is at Tara Hokeshiro, T-A-R-A-H-O-K-E-S-C-H-I-R-O. And we also forgot to mention last week that we are also on TV. So if you live in the Pasadena, California area, if you live in Long Beach, we are on uh, public broadcasting channels. Yeah, if you're on, if you're in, in Pasadena, we're on uh, Spectrum Channel 32 and AT&T Uverse Channel 20, uh, 99, so 32 and 99. And then if you're in Long Beach, we're on Spectrum 32 and on Frontier Channel 41. And then we're also coming to a TV set near you yes. because we've got some pretty cool things in the works. And so, uh, you know... We'll keep you up to date on that. But yeah, if you're in Pasadena area, it's Spectrum 32, AT&T U-verse Channel 99. And in the Long Beach area, it's uh, Spectrum 32 and Frontier Channel 41. And um, we're, on, we're on Tuesdays in Pasadena at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. And then we're on originally scheduled for Saturdays in Long Beach at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And then at various times uh, throughout the week, they, they put us on. And so, uh, so yeah, we're growing and it's because of you. Yes. I'd like to thank you for listening. Do tell a friend. Yes. And uh, that's all we have. Follow us. Yes, follow us. Check us out every week. I need followers. Yes, follow her <laughs> and uh, like her stuff on Instagram because she'd appreciate it. She I wants to uh, be like me and catch up. So <laughs> do like her stuff and follow her at Tara Hoke Shiro. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Until next time, you guys have a good one. Thanks, guys. See you next time.